God, we're grateful that we can just kind of sit in your presence today. Grateful that you're good all the time and in control. God, thanks for listening to us. You're under no obligation to do so, and because of your loving kindness and mercy, you've made yourself known in creation and your word, most importantly in your son Jesus, not just known but knowable. You made yourself accessible to us, the living God. So thank you. Uh, and thank you doesn't do it justice. Be here with us this morning as we uh, talk about who you are and your character, teach, instruct, and comfort, convict, exhort, whatever it is you would like to do. I invite you uh, to be here in this moment in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, uh, welcome to Bayview Glen this morning. Um, I, I, I'm taking my phone out here because I jotted some notes down on my, on my phone. I'm not, I'm not texting um, actually, I did get a text. Let me hang on. Once. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, usually I would have uh, a manuscript and write my sermons pretty much word for word. Uh, most of the time I write them word for word because without notes I get derailed a little bit. So um, it keeps me on the rails. But um, I had a little bit of a crazy week. And so I've got some, some notes jotted down here and, and, um, and then, you know, my Bible, of course, and the passage in front of me. I did actually study the passage. This is my Psalm 135 notes and all my notes on the back here, just so you know. And we'll get to there uh, in a minute. But I wanted to share a little bit with you about what's going on with me personally and with our family and talk to you a little bit about uh, how this series that we've been kind of uh, walking through together in the Psalms has really been instructive and important and com- comforting for me personally. And hopefully you hear a little bit uh, of my heart and what we're going through. And, and my prayer would be as well uh, that, you, um, that, that, that you would be comforted too and, and, and hear from God Personally, I, I, I did not plan to preach this morning, actually. Um, I booked myself out of the pulpit all of July because um, Amy and I went down to adopt uh, a child this last week. That adoption failed. I'll talk to you a little bit about what that is and what that means uh, this last week. But um, I was, we expected the child to come early, so I booked myself out of the pulpit for all of July. And then, uh, lo and behold, the child came right on time. So uh, they moved the C-section around a bunch of times. And uh, our birth mom has two biological children, same birth dad as well, that she is parenting. Kaya, uh, our little girl, our two-year-old that we adopted is, our, is the third. And then she just had the fourth. And everyone uh, has come really early. And so, again, I, was, I wanted to be able to get down to Florida and go and do that. So I booked myself out of the pulpit. And then we had this kind of... Uh, just in case Lucas gets stuck somewhere, just in case something happens, 
we had a video of my former lead pastor, uh, Jamie Rasmussen, who will be here live and in person in October, preaching to us in October. We had a video of him uh, where in, in a sermon he uses me as an illustration. He talks about gentleness, one of the fruits of the Spirit. And he uses me as an illustration. And, and he literally called me an ingrate and a woman in the sermon. So I figured you guys would really like that. And so we had, we had that video prepared uh, to, to, to be our kind of message from the Word this morning, but kind of last minute. I decided just to share some thoughts with you. Um, uh, I talked to Amy right beforehand. She always prays for me before I preach. And, and uh, she said to me, babe, it, it doesn't have to be a home run today. You know, just share your heart. And, um, and, and um, if, you're, if, if you're looking for not a home run message, uh, this is it. So welcome to Baby Glenn. This is going to be not a home run this morning. Uh, so here's what's been going on in our life, and then I want to talk a little bit about the psalm. So again, most of you know that we have a, a two-year-old little girl. She turns two in August. We adopted her in August of 2014, and last December, her birth mom uh, got a hold of us. We have an open relationship with her birth mom and birth dad and her two older siblings. She got a hold of us and said, hey, I'm pregnant again, and um, same, same birth dad, and, and uh, we would like you all to adopt this baby as well. And we said, of course we would. We would love to do that. And so for the last nine, ten months, give or take, well, not nine, ten months, less than that, because the gestation period is not ten months. Uh, so that math doesn't work. So for the last, uh, last seven months, probably, we've been preparing to bring a child into our home, painting rooms and buying cribs and car seats and getting bottles and trying to remember what it's like to care for a newborn and then, uh, again, we went down to Florida uh, this last Saturday uh, to spend a few days with birth mom and birth dad and, and, and uh, Kaya's biological siblings, and we did that. And then Tuesday was the C-section, and we knew that uh, birth mom was struggling. Birth moms always struggle in, in this process uh, because placing a child for adoption is one of the most sacrificial, courageous. Think about that, parents. Think about placing your child for adoption. That is one of the most... In fact, the most courageous and sacrificial thing I've ever seen anyone do. I think very, very highly of Kaya's birth mom and birth dad for the choice that they made. They are fantastic people. We love them very much. Uh, but she struggled this time. She struggled. And so the C-section was on Tuesday. She had a couple of complications. And so uh, they ended up releasing her on Saturday. So yesterday morning, my days kind of run together at this point. Um, and she uh, chose not to place the baby with us. Uh, she chose to take the baby home and, and parent the baby. Um, so, yeah. Um, I haven't slept much. <laughs> uh, my flight got delayed yesterday. I wanted to come home and be here. Uh, Amy and my parents are coming home this afternoon. Uh, but I wanted to come home and be with you, and so I flew home <laughs> last night, and my flight was delayed two hours. I lost my rings coming through security, so uh, don't ever travel with me. Uh, that's just kind of a lesson learned there. So um, I, I'm, not, I'm not real good at, at flights being on time. So um, anyways, yes, yesterday morning, uh, we, uh, Amy and I walked out of the hospital room. We said um, uh, goodbye to birth mom and birth dad, and we said goodbye uh, to little baby. Um, her name is Serenity, and um, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Um, it hurt so, so bad. Um, I don't, I don't uh, like to compare, um, you know, like, hey, it might be like having a, 
a miscarriage, that's never happened to us, so I don't know what that's like. It might be like losing a child, that's never happened to us, I don't know what that's like. Like, I don't, like, so I don't, I don't know how to, how to help contextualize what it means to have a failed adoption, especially a full biological sibling of our daughter. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how, how to contextualize that. Again, I don't want to compare. Uh, all, all I know is it is the most difficult thing that I have ever been through in my life. I've been through some challenging stuff. Um, far and above anything ever. And, you know, at the same time, we are grieving and we're hurt and we are so, so sad. Um, and at the same time, we just absolutely love uh, Kaya's birth family. We love them very much. And, and, and though it was disappointing and, and difficult, um, the difficulty that I'm going through and that Amy's going through really pales in comparison to the difficulty she's going through in conflict. Can you imagine? Imagine how hard that decision must have been for her and how hard it was to, to place Kaya. So it's, it's not a great situation, uh, but we love them very much, and, and, and it was difficult. And, and as I uh, kind of journeyed through this week, it was, it was funny because the, uh, this series uh, that we've been going through, we've been going through the Psalms, for those of you who have been here with us the last number of weeks, uh, this summer we've been going through the Psalms. And um, do you remember the, the first sermon that I preached on the Psalms and I said that the Psalms give voice to the deepest parts of who we are? You remember when we talked about that? That there's these things that you read in the Psalms and, and you go, man, oh man, like, I, I, it, it, it's like, you know, it's like the book that you always wanted to write. You know, you read the Psalms and you go, man, I feel that. That, that gave voice to something in me. That that tapped something inside of my heart that I didn't even know was there, or I've always wanted to put words to those longings and to that grief or whatever, and, and I never could do it, but, but the Psalms, they start to do that, and, and they really have uh, for me this week. It's funny that uh, Stevens, uh, my friend Stevens, and his name is Stevens, by the way. There's an S on the end of Stevens. Uh, he's so awesome, he has to have a plural name. But uh, Stevens preached a couple weeks ago. Do you remember Stevens uh, from Montreal, Haitian guy? Yeah. So he texted me this week. He said, um, Lucas, it's interesting because I've gone through, and he didn't know what was happening with us, with me and Amy. But we're in Florida. I got this text from him. He said, I've been listening to the Psalm series again, and I've been going back through and, and walking through every Every, uh, every, every sermon and listening to them again, and there is this kind of uh, common thread of pain, of, of praying your pain and letting God enter into your pain and, and sharing with God the deepest parts of who you are and the deepest longings of, of who you are, even the, the, the parts that hurt and the difficulty, that, that, the circumstances that are really challenging in life. And he said in this text, he said, I wonder if God might be preparing your church for something. That this is a common thread. I wonder if God might be preparing your church for something. I texted him back and I said, I'm sitting in a hospital room uh, with a baby that we, we spent a lot of time with that little baby. Amy actually uh, slept at the hospital a couple nights, fed the baby, loved the baby, the whole deal. And uh, I might have to say goodbye to this baby in 48 hours. And it will likely be the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. So unfortunately, Stevens... I think God might be preparing me for something, <laughs> not our church. And he really has uh, through the Psalms. I want to share a couple things uh, that have really stood out to me from this series, from a couple of the different speakers that have been with us. Um, understand that, like my, my sermon this morning, like it's, again, it's not a home run. It, it, I'm just talking. 
<laughs> do, do, do we understand what's happening here? Like, I'm just sharing my heart with you. Everybody nod your head. Marilyn knows what's happening, but okay. So, like, if you're judging Bayview Glen based on this sermon, please come back next week. We'll have, like, a different speaker, okay? It'll be great. So, but right now, just as my church, I want to just tell you what's going on with us. So, um, a couple of things that I've uh, jotted down uh, that really have stuck out, stuck out to me and been really important for me as I've, as I've journeyed through this week and, and the grief associated with, with the circumstances. And we're going to get to Psalm 135 in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, Dom Russo, my friend Dom, he's a church planter in Montreal. He spoke a few weeks ago. And, and he made this really quick comment, uh, this really passing comment, and he didn't spend a lot of time on it. He talked about David's relationship with Absalom. He talked about David being a leader in the nation of Israel and a leader of his family. And Dom made this real quick comment. He said, leadership is a lonely place. Do you remember him making that comment that leadership is a lonely place? And if, if you have a leadership role, wherever it is, in your family, in your business, or whatever, you know that leadership can be a lonely place. David poured out his heart to God in this psalm that, that Dom uh, preached on. And it was like, you know, it's like God is the only person sometimes that really understands. God is the only person sometimes that really hears. Like, there's these moments in our lives where... Um, you know, our friends don't get it, or our spouse don't, doesn't get it, or, or so, you know, the people around us don't get it, but, but no matter how lonely you might feel, and, 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 and personally speaking, as a lead pastor, there have been times where I have felt very, very lonely, that there's nobody that gets it, nobody that understands. I love you. You're wonderful people. I love my job. I'm not going anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? But sometimes it feels lonely. Sometimes it feels lonely, and God is the only person sometimes that understands, because he's in a leadership role, <laughs> a pretty large one, actually. And so it was interesting this week as I went to God with my own cries for mercy and cries for help to find that I wasn't alone. I might have felt lonely at times. I might have felt mm, lonely. <laughs> but God heard. God listened. He knows. He understands. And he does for you, too. Then, uh, then Stevens made this comment, uh, not in the text, in the sermon, when he talked about praying your pain. I hope that you utilize that uh, tool that we put on the website of praying your pain and utilize even the prayer wall that we've got up online right now um, and we will continue to have. But he made this comment. Again, it was a passing comment in the sermon. I was here for that one. I was here for Dom and here for Stevens as well. I was sitting back over here. I, I didn't sit in my normal spot to kind of get my head out of like, you know, lead pastor uh, critiquing the worship mode and into uh, listening and worshiping. And I sat over here and listened to, to, to Dom and, and then Stevens preach. And if, and, if, and if you were here, you probably heard me amening pretty loud. Uh, loudly, actually, because it should be an adverb. I'm a member of SAS, Save the Adverb Society. So, uh, amening pretty loudly over here because uh, Stevens made this comment. He said, um, God's delay isn't necessarily God's denial. God's delay isn't necessarily God's denial. So, yes, uh, we are going to adopt. Uh, that's our intention. That's our hope. That's our prayer. Uh, but this was not God's baby for us, apparently. And, and he's not saying no, he's just saying not this one. And I don't know what's going on in your life that you might cried out to God for. Like maybe you're single and you're waiting for a spouse, or maybe you have looked forward to those years of marriage where the kids are out of the house, 
Praise God, kids being out of the house, that's always fun. And you wanted to enjoy those twilight years with your spouse or maybe, you know, and then you got a diagnosis. Maybe, maybe there was something in your life that, that, that you were longing for, that you were hoping for, that you had prepared for months on end for like we did, and then God says, not yet. Please understand that that's not necessarily God's no. It's just God's not yet, not now, not this one. Just wait. And the tough part is waiting with patience, isn't it? Amy always uh, tells Kaya, it's great. She says, Kaya, you got to be patient, babe. Patience is waiting with a happy heart. And that sounds like so childish and foolish. And then I thought about it. I'm like, actually, that is patience, waiting with a happy heart. Uh, Patience is not waiting with a grumbling heart. Patience is not waiting with arms crossed and going, all right, God. Move it along, buddy. I'm being patient. That's not, that's not patience. Patience is waiting with a happy heart because God's delay isn't necessarily God's denial just because he's got something else planned for you and it's his timing and not ours. And sometimes, you know, you read that verse that to God a day is like a thousand years and you're like, don't I know it, you know? <laughs> but you're waiting a long time. I know, I felt it, I was there. I've been, I'm there now just waiting on God. It doesn't necessarily mean it's God's denial. That spoke volumes to me when Stevens preached. And then I wasn't here uh, last week for Sunder's message, but I did listen to it online, and I texted with Sunder this week, actually, and told him how meaningful uh, his message was last week. How many were here last week for Sunder's message? Good. Good. And he talked about the foundations of the world crumbling, remember? Talked about the foundations of the world globally and countries and what's going on even in my home country, the U.S. right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm... I hit the lights on the way out of that deal. I'm glad I moved to Canada. So, um, and, and what's going on even around the world and, and, and foundations crumbling and nations crumbling and, 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 and everything that we see going on in our world. And, and Sunder asked this question. He said, what's your foundation? What's your foundation? Because if you build your life on a foundation of circumstances or if you build your life on a foundation of what goes well for me, or even if you build your life like we were talking about or singing about this morning on yourself in the center, that foundation's going to crumble, isn't it? And you know, some of you know that, some of you are building your life on some other foundation, the foundation of money, the foundation of fame, the foundation of success, the foundation of relationships, the foundation of whatever, and you might not think that foundation's gonna crumble, but it's gonna crumble. It's gonna crumble. And, and Sunder asked this question, he said, is your foundation firm and secure? And what does the psalmist say? The psalmist says that our foundation is the sovereignty and total and complete control of a loving and gracious God. Who is good even in the midst of difficult circumstances? Who is still on the throne even when I walk out of a hospital room and I could not stand up because the grief was so heavy? He's still good, and he is still my foundation. I hope he's yours as well. My previous lead pastor, uh, who we were going to see a video of this morning, but I, I'm actually going to let him know that I played the trump card this morning. I said they didn't want to see your video I preached, just, just to stick it to him. Um, he's a very, very good friend and, and, a, and a wonderful man, and I, I texted with him a little bit. Actually, I called him. I called him this week. And he said, you know, Lucas, it's interesting that you called because, uh, and he's, he's got his own grief and struggles. He's gone through, um, gone through things in his life um, that are, you know, feel, feel, uh, felt the same as I'm feeling and as Amy's feeling right now. Um, 
And he said, you know, it's interesting that you called because I've been meditating on this verse this week. And it's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and his prayer of kind of anguish, crying out to God. I'm like, that sounds like a really stupid verse to meditate on, but whatever, you know. And he said, no, actually, listen, listen, because I think this is a good word for you. And he said, Jesus prays in John chapter 12. He prays to the Father. He says, now my soul is troubled. Don't you like that church word, troubled? <laughs> Jesus is about to go to the cross here. So this is like the understatement of all time. My soul is troubled. The stress was so heavy that his capillaries began to burst and blood came out of his sweat ducts and glands. Like, that's, that's not a troubled soul. That's grief that's so heavy you can't stand up. He says, now my soul is troubled. And he said, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Is that my prayer, God? It was mine this week. I said, God, listen, let this cup pass from my face. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to say goodbye to this baby. I've been waiting on this baby. Amy's been waiting on this baby for months. This is Kaya's full biological sibling. We want to take this baby home. Father, save me from this hour. And Jesus says this, before this purpose, I have come to this hour of grief, of anguish, of difficulty. He says, Father, glorify your name. So it's interesting to me because it's, it's really hard sometimes because we like ourselves a lot. I've been known to say there's nobody on the planet that loves me more than me. And we like ourselves a lot. We want to be at the center of our lives. It's really hard to hear sometimes that God is about his glory ultimately. God is about his fame, about his reputation, and he... Um, controls circumstances and allows things to come into your life, uh, difficult things, challenging things, grief, deep, deep loss of a child, loss of a parent, spouse that is still here physically but, but mentally because of dementia, Alzheimer's or whatever is, is kind of gone. I mean, these, these, these things where your soul is troubled, you feel like you're about to sweat drops of blood. God, God allows those things into your life such that he might shine a light on himself, on his glory, and on his name. Now, that's not fun to hear sometimes for me because I recoil from that because whose name do I want to shine a light on? My name. My name. I, I kind of want to change my name and make it Luke's, just like Stephen's. Make it plural. That's how awesome I think I am a lot of times. But God is about his name and his glory, and, and, and if that's not your foundation, your foundation's going to fall apart. So even in the midst of anguish, for me personally and for Amy, we trust in the sovereignty of a loving, good, and gracious God who is in control and who's going to shine a light on his name in and through our pain. Oh, wow. That's heavy. As I studied this psalm this week, Psalm 135, um, this theme of the glory of God and shining a light on God, even in the midst of pain, came through loud and clear once again. Just a reminder that that really is what the Bible is all about. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at that psalm really quick. I'm going to make a few comments, and then we're going to respond in, 
in praise together. So if you have your Bible, I would love it if you would open it, Psalm 135. If, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, I don't have the text here on the screen. Again, like, I, I, don't, I, I forgot it was Sunday today, so um, like, that's how my week is gone, so I don't have the text here on the screen like I usually do. So if you don't have a Bible, grab the one in the seat back in front of you, scoot down the aisle and look on with somebody else. If someone scoots down the aisle and loves up on you, give them a mint or whatever you need to do to and say welcome and uh, let them read your Bible here with you. We're going to read Psalm 135. So here's what the psalmist is about to do in Psalm 135. We're going to read the whole thing. But here's what he's about to do. He's about to exhort us to do something, to praise God. We'll talk about that. Then he's going to give us a bunch of reasons why we ought to do that. Then right in the middle of the psalm, there's this anchor, there's this hub, there's this foundation, and it's one verse. And even structurally, that's why the verse, verse 13, we'll get there in a minute, sits right in the middle of the psalm because it is the anchor, not just structurally for the psalm, but it's the anchor, the foundation that Sunder talked about and that we're talking about this morning. It's the name and the, and the fame and the reputation and the glory of God. Then he gives us a whole bunch more reasons to praise God. Then he concludes with, just in case you don't know what this psalm is about, it's about praising God. So look at the anchor uh, right here in the middle of the text. It's, it's, it's uh, 135 verse 13. Verse 13, the psalmist says this. He says, your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. You guys have the verses up there on the screen. This is why, this is why you guys are amazing. You told me that beforehand, and you did it just for me, and I forgot. See, this is, why, this is what two hours of sleep does. You know what else two hours of sleep does? We'll get back to Psalm 135, verse 13 here in a minute. This is what else two hours of sleep does. I went to Tim Hortons this morning. Do you guys know that they sell donuts there? <laughs> I, was, I was amazed. I'm not a donut guy. I try to eat pretty healthy, but I went in this morning, and I was like, oh, praise God for fried dough. Ooh, boy. And they're good. They're really good. The little sour, I got, I ordered a, I ordered a medium coffee with cream and sweetener because I'm American. I'm trying to slowly embalm myself with aspartame. And, um, and, and I ordered, I ordered two Timbits. They said, do you want like two orders of 20 or two orders? And I said, no, two, two Timbits. You want two Timbits? Yes, ma'am. I want two Timbits, sour cream glaze and chocolate. Thank you very much. It's my daily caloric intake right, right there. That, that's, that's what else two hours of sleep does. Poor decision making on the, where are we at? Verse 13. Here we go. Um, verse 13. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all the ages. I want to go through one by one and talk about what the original language, the Hebrew, which your Bible's written in, Old Testament anyway, means for each one of those words because it will help us understand what the anchor is right in the middle of Psalm 135. Uh, your name. That word name, it's shim in the original language, but that's beside the point. It means your reputation, your fame. Like, your name, as we say, praise the name of God, it's like reputation, what he's like, his fame, what he's known for. That's what that first word is. Oh, Lord, that word there is Yahweh. It's not Adonai. It's God's covenant name. It's his name. Your name, oh, Yahweh, endures forever. I love this word. It's very interesting. In the original language, it's olam, but uh, the, the, the Hebrew language, at least in this time and place, did not have a word 
for kind of eternity past and eternity future. They didn't really have much of a, a kind of a concept for that. So, so they, the, the author here, the psalmist, does his best by including this word to help us understand God's reputation and what he's saying about God's reputation. And, and essentially what the psalmist is saying is, as far back as we can look, you've been famous. And as far ahead as we can look, you are going to be famous. Your reputation does not change. Your fame does not change into antiquity and to futurity. As far back as we can see in the ancient past and into uh, eternity future, you're going to be famous and you have been famous. He says, your renown, the memory of you, the remembrances of you, talk of you, O Lord, has existed throughout all ages. It's uh, a little play on words here, but he says, from generation to generation, from age to age. So th- th- this is my little translation here. This is, uh, there's a lot of great Bible translations out here. The New Lucas translation is not one of them, the NLT. Uh, but this is my translation of Psalm 135, verse 13. Your reputation, Yahweh, is unaltered, unchanging. From eternity past and into eternity future, the memory of you, Yahweh, extends from age to age. This is the anchor of Psalm 135. This is the anchor of Scripture. And this is the foundation of our life that is not shaken. Yahweh's reputation, his unaltered and unchanging fame from eternity past and into eternity future. The talk of him, memories of him, from age to age. That's the anchor. You with me? Now let's see what the psalmist is going to tell us to do. Verse 1. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. There's a word in there repeated three times. What is it? Praise. That's, that's the word. That's the exhortation. That's the command of Psalm 135. The psalmist repeats that word one, two, three, four, five times throughout the uh, 21 verses of Psalm 135. This is what the psalmist wants us to do, is praise the Lord. And it's, again, it's a church word. We use this word praise, but, but I want you to understand what's happening here. The original language, the verb there is halal, and conjugated, it's, uh, it's uh, hallelujah. And what it means is it's a command, it's an imperative, it's a do this. It's not, a, it's not an exclamation of, yeah, God, God deserves glory, God deserves praise, and praise the Lord, that's good. But what the psalmist is, he says, not, not a suggestion, not a recommendation, it's a command to praise, halal. And he's saying to you all, praise. And then there's a, there's a little contraction there where two words are smushed together. Halal is the first one, and the first part of the name of God, Yah. So hallelujah, that's where we get our word hallelujah from. And that original word halal could mean praise, but, but it also means, as I researched this word, it's, fa- it's fascinating, this, this was helpful for me. It also means to shine a light on something or shine a light into something. So here's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, here's the commandment, you all shine a light on God. That helps me understand a little bit more of what the exhortation is here, the command is here. Because when there's darkness and you can't see anything and you shine a light and you're able to see those things that the light penetrates. And so when we say we're shining a light on God, we're drawing attention to him. 
We're helping one another to see him. We're helping the world to see him when we praise him and shine a light on him. And that's what the psalmist is exhorting us to do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, the Lord. Hallelujah, shine a light on the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. And here's who he's talking to, verse 2. Those who stand in the house of the Lord, that's the priest, and those who stand in the courts of the house of our God. So that's all of God's people. All of God's people praise the Lord. Verse 3, and here's where the psalmist starts to give us reasons why we ought to shine a light on God. Praise the Lord. One, for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. That's God's character. His character displayed in his works. His character displayed in his commandments. His character displayed in his attributes. He's always good. That's one reason to praise God. Second half of verse 3, another reason to praise God. Sing to his name. We did that this morning. For it is pleasant. For it is pleasant. That word pleasant also means delight or happiness. So the psalmist is saying, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, shine a light on the Lord because it brings delight and happiness. It's pleasant. And so two things that stood out to me about the second half there of verse 3 personally. The first one is this. Uh, the psalmist is saying, yes, praise the Lord, shine a light on, on, on God. But he's also saying to sing to God. Now, sometimes I come into this place and I don't always feel like singing. You ever felt that way? Yeah, okay, good. Andy, Andy raised his hand really high. Good, thank you, Andy. That's encouraging. Worship pastor, perfect. Um, can we, we talk about this afterwards? We'll talk about it, okay. Yeah, do what? Just being honest, I appreciate it. Um, so you come into this place, sometimes I don't, I don't feel like, singing. And so I, I was telling Andy this a couple weeks ago. Sometimes I just kind of let the words wash over me and I listen and meditate. And that's good and that's okay. And I'm not, I'm not mad at that. That's, that's fine. But the psalmist would say to us, sing to the Lord. Sing to his name. I was convicted. Like, you know what? Sometimes I can do that, but I can't just opt out of singing because it's right there in, in the Bible. It's a command. Isn't that great? Second thing, for it is pleasant, it brings delight, it brings happiness. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. So I, I began to kind of work on this in my head a little bit and meditate on this a little bit, and, and I thought to myself, what if it isn't pleasant? What if singing to God's name, what if praising his name isn't pleasant? What if I come into this place and everyone is singing to God together? We're going to sing, continue to sing and we're singing about his amazing grace and we're singing Jesus at the center. We're singing Christ alone and we're singing and I leave this place kind of with my arms crossed and I say, well, that wasn't pleasant. That was not delightful. That did not make me happy. That did not bring me joy. What if? So here, here's my answer. It might mean that I'm not actually singing to his name. You understand what I'm saying? Because the Bible just said, sing to his name. Why? Because it's pleasant. Because it brings delight. Because it brings happiness. And if it doesn't bring happiness and delight, it might be because you're not singing to his name. It might be that you're singing to something else. And we don't come in here and like sing to, you know, you know, you know people don't like sing to Justin Trudeau or something. You know, so that's weird. That's weird. But, but what else do you think we shine a light on sometimes in church? What else do you think we sing to? What else kind of gets the trump card sometimes? Well, let's just, let's just name them here. Musical genre. So we start singing to that. You know what? It's got to be 
modern music. It's got to be hymns. It's got to be loud. It's got to be quiet. It's got to be dark. It's got to be light. And then it will be pleasant for me. No. That's not what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, sing to his name. Because that's pleasant. And if it's not pleasant, it might be because you're not singing to his name. We'll keep going. Verse 4. Here we go. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. Ephesians 1 tells us that he's done the same for us, you and me, the bride of Christ, the church. Verse 5. More reasons to praise the Lord, for I know that the Lord is great. That means big, vast, awesome, supreme. And that the Lord is above all gods. Verse 6, whatever the Lord does, he pleases. Or whatever the Lord does, he pleases. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps, he it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from the storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. These are all reasons to praise God, both of man and beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all of the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. And then there's the anchor, verse 13. I'm going to stop and make a couple of comments here. Just, you know, Sunder made this comment last week, and I'll just borrow from, from his message. He said, this is not a message about apologetics, but just in case you're wondering, so I would say the same thing. This is not a message about apologetics, but just in case you're, you're wondering here. Um, have, any, have you ever heard, like, people say the God of the Old Testament is, like, really violent, you know, and the God of the Old Testament is angry, and then there's the God of the New Testament, and he's gracious and good and all that stuff. Okay. I was listening to uh, Bill Maher this week. I was watching a YouTube video of a guy named Bill Maher. He's, a, I would say, an aggressive atheist. Um, he's a very smart man and a very funny man and, and also very wrong, but that's beside the point. And, and he um, had made this comment that the Old Testament is um, a combination of two things, crazy and wicked. That's what he says about the God of the Old Testament. And he said uh, that the God of the Old Testament, uh, Yahweh, commits genocide for no reason. And so, uh, guys like Bill Maher would point to Psalm 135, and he would say, see verse 11, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and all king of Bashan, all the kingdom of Canaan, you, you struck down and killed those mighty kings for no reason. This, this is wicked, this is crazy, this is genocide for no reason. And so, let me tell you what actually happened, so that when people tell you this stuff, that you'll, in the back of your mind, be able to go, you know what, maybe I should do the research here and figure out what actually happened, because maybe there was an actual reason here. So, Numbers 21 tells us that uh, the nation of Israel was released from slavery in Egypt and they were journeying into the promised land and they came up to a border of a province of a territory that Sihon, king of the Amorites, ruled. And before crossing into that territory, they sent word to Sihon. They said, hey, look, here's the deal. Where we're going is on the other side of your land and territory um, and we would rather not have to go all the way around so can we just cross through the middle of your territory? Like, we're not going to take any food God's providing for us. We're not going to take any water God's providing for us. We're not going to take your grapes and your vineyards or anything. And we wouldn't even cross into your territory. We, we've not even stepped across that border without your permission. And so we would love your permission just to walk through. That's all we want to do. Not only did Sihon say no, he actually sent an army to kill the nation of Israel. And, and they haven't even crossed into his territory yet. He's just decided he wants to kill them. 
And so when they came out to kill the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel defended itself very well, might I add, and killed the army that came out to kill them. And it's funny that God didn't just leave it there. Once the nation of Israel defended itself, as you would if someone was attacking you, God said, now that that's happened, we don't want to leave them there. I want you to go ahead and step into their territory now and help rebuild. Now, that doesn't sound like a combination of crazy and wicked to me. That doesn't sound like genocide for no reason. That sounds like a nation defending itself and doing something really gracious by helping rebuild a territory because they didn't really want to kill anybody in the first place. Just my two cents. Verse 13, your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. Verse 14, for the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. More reasons to praise God. Uh, that particular verse, and I, I'm looking at some faces in here in the room, and I know some of what some of you are going through. I don't know all of what all of you are going through. Some of the challenges and the difficulties and the grief and pain that you're experiencing that feels a lot like what I've been going through this week. And let me just read that verse again to those of you who are experiencing grief. For the Lord will vindicate his people. That's a good promise. And have compassion on his servants. Verse 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. I really like that word picture. I don't know about you. It's like, the, nation, the, the idols of the nations, the gods of the nations, any other god that's not Yahweh is like Frosty the Snowman. A corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Can't see, can't smell. Frosty doesn't have ears anyway, so can't hear. It's like painted on, it's pasted on. But Yahweh, he's the living God. He's got ears and he hears. He's got eyes and he sees. He's got a mouth and he speaks. This is our God. Those who make them become like them. Yikes. So do all who trust in them. So now the psalmist has exhorted us to praise the Lord, to shine a light on God, to sing to his name. He's given us all kinds of reasons because the Lord has chosen Jacob, because the Lord is great, because the Lord is good, because the Lord is above all gods, because whatever he pleases, he does. He's given us this anchor that his name endures forever and his renown, oh Lord, throughout all, his renown endures throughout the ages. And he's given us more reasons that the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion that he's a living God with eyes and ears, not literal, but he sees and hears and speaks. And so in case we are confused about what the psalm is about, he concludes this way, the psalmist does, O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. I might add church of God, Bayview Glen Church, bless the Lord. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord from Zion. He who dwells in Jerusalem, psalmist concludes this way, praise the Lord. Um, Hmm. I'm going to conclude this way. Um, If you've built your foundation on something other than the sovereignty and goodness and grace of God, it's going to crumble. And 
And I, I, don't, I, don't know an, I don't know a different way to say that. And in the midst of, uh, for me, the most painful thing I've ever had to endure, saying goodbye to um, a little baby that I thought was going to be mine and Amy's. I can rest on, plant my feet on, God's renown, his glory, his fame, his greatness, his goodness, the fact that he has chosen me and adopted me, according to Ephesians 1, just like Amy and I adopted Kaya. And in the midst of grief, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, whatever it is you're going through, please build your house on that foundation. I don't know what you're going through, but I know I'm grieving hard right now. And I know that the only foundation that you and I have is a God who loves us and a God who's in control and a God who has good things planned for us. And for that reason, we can praise the Lord, shine a light on him. Amen? Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to respond that way, and we're going to sing together. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. And my exhortation to you, I would never command you to do anything. I'll let the psalmist do that. (laughs) My exhortation to you this morning is to praise the Lord. Sing to his name. No matter what you're going through. Let's stand and sing together as we respond.